Welcome to the Burning Eye Podcast, west of centre and never knowingly mainstream. podcast. I'm Jen Hart. It's been a while. Apologies for that. Um, but now we're back on my sofa with uh, Marmalade the Cat, who if you follow us on Instagram are more than well acquainted with. <laughs> and I'm also joined by Pete Bearder. Um, Pete released um, his book Numbered Boxes with us in November last year. We're finally getting him, getting around to having a chat and, and stuff. So welcome to my house and the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for lunch. Your lunch? Oh yeah, yeah. So if you ever want to come do a podcast with us, I will make you food. You get fed proper vegan food, mm. don't you? <laughs> All the skint poets out there, it's a way of maintaining your health <laughs> and staying alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come around, do a podcast. I'll fatten you up for the next week. Um, so Pete, yeah. it's been how many months since the book came out? What month is I it think, now? March. I think it came out in November, October, November. Yeah. Um, when I got back from Berlin and since then I've been touring it around and really, really enjoying taking it around the country. I did a big launch in London, big launch in, uh, in Oxford and one in Bristol and then uh, just taking it around the country has been quite enjoyable, actually. I'm taking it north of, of Berlin, because there's this kind of north-south divide thing going on in poetry, isn't there? Mm. Um, because the, most poetry geeks don't have uh, tons of money to bring people long distances. Yeah. What I've I enjoyed about having a book is that it actually makes it financially possible for me to go north of north of Berlin. Yeah. So I've been, I've been you know, crossing the hemispheres, you know, dropping a, a couple of degrees for poetry. And uh, I've been up to Liverpool and Newcastle and... and, and got some plans to go up to Leeds and Manchester and and, 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 uh, and other places as well which is fun uh, so yeah making friends up there which is good that's good yeah is there uh, any anywhere that you've been so far in your tour that's really um, really stood out for you in terms of like outside of Berlin kind of mm. like is there, is there anywhere that's really been particularly welcoming or a particularly good space that you, you'd like to go back to yeah, I mean, pretty much all of them, really. I've just, I've just massively enjoyed because when I was living in Berlin, I was working as a street musician, which is great because it was like ego death. Mm. And no, I was just a nobody on the side of the streets, which was nice because so my art was totally unmediated um, uh, uh, from websites and emails and and, uh, and things like that and promoters and venues. Uh, so I've just really enjoyed coming back and having. Um, I mean, you know, so there's a bit of an adjustment coming back and, and getting back into that kind of whole poetry game. Mm. But I've really enjoyed having people sat there who can't walk away. Uh, <laughs> and we'll just sit there for 40 minutes and listen to what you've got to say. It's been really, really lovely. And then buy your book. Um, I mean, I, I, the, the launch in Bristol was particularly exciting because that was the first gig I did since moving here. And uh, it was a phenomenal audience. It was organised by um, Raise the Bar, Spoken Word and Milk Poetry in the Crofters' Rights. And it was a really, really fun night and it made me really, really feel excited to be living in this city, yeah. which is good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, we were talking before um, that you've never... Both of us are not Bristol natives, both mm. moved here quite recently. Um, and comparing it to places like, like London, which is so fast-paced and, yeah. um, you know, places like Bristol... Um, tend to be a bit more forgiving of, of your artist's time and, and having some mm. time to reflect. So uh, are you enjoying Bristol? I, I'm enjoying it, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, Berlin and Bristol, uh, for me, are, are similar places in that um, they're quite good places to be as an artist because they're, uh, they have a lot going on, which yeah. is important. I mean, this is a thing, isn't it? If, you, if you're a poet or a musician, it's very hard to see yourself living in a little community somewhere in Devon. Mm. As much as you might like to do it, it's quite difficult to do, to do even if you are established because of the touring and the, you know, just having um, a, a professional network around you mm. um, that, that feeds into you and you can feed in too. Mm. Um, you know, so you want you want to be in a place where there's a theatre where you know you've got touring artists who are coming and you can go and see what people are up to. Mm. You want to be in a place where you can get gigs. You, uh, uh, and Bristol certainly you know allows that, but it isn't uh, six hundred pound a month rent 
uh, which is you know a psychosis in and of itself I think yeah yeah mm. I agree yeah um so I'm quite interested in in talking about your your time in Berlin and mm. um something that Clive and I are both interested in is you know the poetry going on on, on the continent and you know how how the scenes kind of compare to, to the kind of community that we have in, in the UK because obviously we forget how small we are sometimes and, and how into, like everyone knows each other to some mm. degree or you know Facebook will is a testament of that everyone's got mutual friends with everyone in the scene um, so how does that compare with someone like like Berlin's creative scene yeah Berlin well I, I um, had some experience of the Berlin scene I didn't I didn't get fully into it while I was there because I, I kind of did that whole thing about eight years ago of going around and getting my name out there and going to open mics and, and competing in slams and, and then getting gigs as a result of that I kind of did that about eight years ago and I didn't really have the energy for to do that fully in Berlin so I was mostly doing street music but I did do a few gigs and uh, and I was really impressed um, by, I mean, you know, 400 strong audiences are the norm. Berlin's a great city for spoken word. And Germany generally, and I did do a tour of the south of Germany, okay. and, um, I mean, I, I, Germany's interested because they, they take that industrious efficiency, that culture of, of, of being really on it and really organised, mm. definitely manifests itself in the poetry scene. Yeah. You, you, you know, they're well run in good venues with large audiences. They pay you up front in cash, um, it's all really, really clinically done. I think we can learn okay. a huge amount yeah. from having exchanges and, li and linking up wherever possible with uh, with the German scene. Um, yeah, it is. It is exciting. I mean, it's a bit less underground there as well, though. That's. I mean, I don't. I say though, it's not necessarily a down thing. I mean, it, it, a downside. I mean, it does mean that people outside of the subculture are actually taking part in that conversation in, in quite a mainstream sort of like um, bourgeois is, is maybe has negative connotations but you know I was I was sharing stages with people who were um, solicitors or worked in oh, finance okay. and, yeah. you know, or, or lived in the countryside with their oh, okay. family yeah. and that was quite new to me and mm. quite refreshing yeah. um, I imagine that kind of may have some impact on, on the material I don't know I didn't understand any of it so I couldn't really tell you but it was, in, it was interesting there's also the same debate over there is happening at the moment over you know how far to, to get sponsorship because I mean it's become such a big animal there that I mean there are examples of like um I think the biggest gig I heard of there was like uh, seven or fourteen thousand people in a stadium, and you oh. could you could only see the poets on the giant screens. You wow! Couldn't, I mean, people were so far away. Yeah. Um, apparently, wow. it was just too big, and it didn't. You know, yeah. according to one person who was on the stage, said it was just too big, and it, you know, it didn't really work for spoken word. Mm. But um, there is that debate over you know uh, whether and how to take sponsorship off people. And and to do commercials and on TV and things mm, like like yeah. that, um, as it's happening over here, and, and they have their big slam, their their national slam is like a four day event, mm. um, and they have TV coverage and everything. So oh, wow! It's, it's, it's an exciting place for spoken yeah. in Germany. Yeah, yeah, I can see that kind of happening here with um, the Fringe BBC Slam. Is, mm -hmm. is they've got that kind of televised kind of thing now, and that tends to be quite a big event every year. I know yeah. it flags up. For Burning Eye, quite a lot, uh, um, yeah. and obviously Fringe is <clears throat> huge and just grows every year, and mm -hmm. that seems to be a kind of stepping stone for a lot of people um, in terms of um, development. You know, you, you take a show there, like we were talking about Rob Alton earlier, who takes a, a show to to Fringe every year, and it's a, a, like a landmark to to kind of work towards. Yeah. Um, uh, have you ever done Fringe? I've done the Fringe a, a few times in yeah. various different guises. I did um, something with Ben Mellor and Steve Larkin um, one year, and a, c a couple of other things, uh, collabor collaborative projects. Um, and yeah, it's it is exciting, especially in the free Fringe and for spoken word, mm. which is a uh, which has been growing now as its own section, of course, in in the Fringe brochure, which it didn't only maybe six or seven years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what in interests me about about the fringe is the free fringe and, and spoken word at the moment. Yeah. Whereas for comedy, I think it's become a bit calcified and a bit uh, top down. Unfortunately, okay. I mean, they used to say with comedy that a good um, fringe will make your your TV career. Yeah. Now they say that a good TV career will make your fringe, uh, and it's okay. just a big thing that people throw money into. Mm. 
uh, and and don't get much out of. But mm-hmm. for if you're if you're kind of in that kind of um, if you're in the free fringe and if you're if you are a poet, you can uh, really build an audience and access audiences that otherwise wouldn't uh, necessarily wander into a spoken word audio, uh, 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 spoken word um, uh, venue. And that can really set you up, you yeah. know? Um, especially if you do if you're plugging it year on year. It's quite you know it's quite an expenditure of energy yeah. to be doing it year on year, but you know it can be done. Um, and you know you see Rob Orton and and, uh, and people going back e- each year. David Lee Morgan as well makes a point of doing it, and he does work very well out of it as well. As so lots of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You did your um, you did a, a launch with. Him and Joel. Joel Taylor. Yeah, that was the yeah. London launch, yeah, in the high vid Dawson. That was a great night, yeah. Um, I was uh, I was there recently in London um, for Outspoken, and I'm next in London um, for Spit and Polish. Oh, cool. Which is Ollie. You know, if you know Ollie, mm. he, he lives here in Bristol and runs that night. It's a very good night. Um, so I'm coming back there in June for June Spit, Spit and Polish. Oh, great. Oh, that would be really good. Yeah. Spoken word at festivals has become... Uh, more and more of a thing like lots of there's lots of uh, festival poets yeah. popping up all over the place mm. um and i just wanted to talk about glastonbury really and your yeah. time doing glastonbury because i know in the book you've got a section of, of the poems that came out yeah. of of some of the stuff that you did there and yeah that's right how was that for you that right. yeah i mean festivals are a big part of what i do and i really mm. I, I i cut my teeth on festivals over mm. the last sort of eight 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 to ten years um and my stuff is quite you know it sends out a lot of energy and I think that grew out of being in spaces where the audience could just wander in and out and mm. and you were competing with, with music and trying to make um, uh, make the, the words as explosively performative as possible um, uh, because yeah I mean it, it, festival audiences they're there they and they can be reaped in large numbers but they will also just walk out they are very interesting and they I think as a phenomenon I'm very interested in UK festivals they're one of the last spaces of, of um, genuinely autonomous cultural activity that exists in British society yeah um, we have to be very wary of, 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 of that changing you know I'm, I'm, Citing examples of you know police telling people to put their clothes back on mm. at a secret garden party and things like that. Yeah. But um, that said, they are uh, I think they're very interesting. And I spent actually if, if anybody listening are into spoken word podcasts, um, you can find on my website there's a podcast page. And I spent about four years um, doing podcasts for Indie Feed, and you can find a, a, a podcast from poets over around the UK about spoken word oh, often okay. they were done at festivals yeah um but yeah so yeah so anyway part of this book of numbered boxes was written while i was at glastonbury as the glastonbury uh, website poet in residence mm. so it's my job to walk walk around the, the the festival writing poems and then they would publish it on their website and um, yeah given the state i was in that weekend <laughs> i'm pretty pleased with the result yeah good yeah i've um I've done a couple of festivals myself, so I've done Boomtown, uh-huh. like four years in a row I've done Boomtown, um, and Boomtown's are kind of one of those unforgiving festivals a little yeah. bit, because it's such a party festival, yeah. that you, you kind of think, oh, they've got a, a spoken word bit, that's that's I'm a bit weird, considering the, the <clears throat> large amount of rave going yeah. on all, all of the time, yeah. um, but I've... Uh, every time I've done there, I've had like a really massive crowd of, of people, and I don't know if that's people just it's Sunday and they're like mm. what, hungover and they just want to listen to something really gentle, or whether it's people that are genuinely really into it. Um, but you know, loads of people always turn up for the slam, um, or like the wandering of, word, right? Yeah, one there, yeah, so yeah, the wandering yeah. word. I'm not sure if they're doing the boomtown this year, um, right. but yeah, no, I always um, I find it interesting, and I, I went round and did some poems in the evening just just walking mm. around and, and, and things like that um which was quite cool when you're kind of writing and there's so much material to write about at festivals as well mm-hmm. i mean obviously if you're in the capable mind of writing mm. <laughs> or, or anything then i guess um festivals are a great period i've never been to glastonbury but my partner's been to glastonbury and obviously doing greenpeace fundraising and has mm. met so many interesting people from from doing that so i imagine yeah. doing the glastonbury thing is um so did you apply for that or did they were you nominated i was asked to do it yeah. by this by the um helen gregory who's local to, to to this part of the world oh yeah um who runs um a, a, a poetry and words tent mm. 
and um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think like spoken word is part of the staple mm. of UK festivals. And and if you want to know the future of, of British culture, look at the festival scene because it happens there first, and you know that's yeah. where people come. And then the venues and the, and the touring circuit kind of catches up afterwards. Really, it's a real melting pot, and it's great that that now it's part. I mean, I remember when I started in spoken word. I when I lived in Oxford uh, and I was working with Steve Larkin in the Hammer and Tongue office, which is where Hammer and Tongue began, mm -hmm. and we were putting together funding applications that were titled taking spoken word to the festival circuit oh. and like it was something new and we were going to go out you know crusading taking you know high quality spoken word to festival audiences and now you would um, you would never imagine I, I don't think you could write an application of that sort and get funded for it because it's there oh. it's part of what it is and it, it's part of the of the experience of being at a festival I remember somebody, somebody described it to me as like you know sometimes when you're walking around and you've just got all this sound bleeding and you've got <laughs> You know all this this hyper stimulation mm. and all this ego and all this sound. Sometimes just to be able to lie on lie on the floor in a, in a in a tent and just to digest words and images. Mm. Yeah, is just what you need. Yeah, especially on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I was just saying while you were saying that actually, I was just thinking that all festivals should have a poet in residence. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know. Uh, so there's obviously Latitude has got a lot of uh, spoken word and, and, and things there. Um. And Shambhala and, and, and things like that. I reckon probably every festival could could uh, benefit from having a poet. Damn good idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, like those kinds of commissions. Uh, what we what what you find are people who really work commissions. I'm thinking like Tallfeller, Tony Walsh. He's very yeah. good at doing that. Mm. You know, once you put it, once you put that idea in people's heads and and in, into their lives, whichever event or organisation or festival is 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 employing that poet to do it, always is a great is a great idea. Mm. I mean, a festival is a phenomenon. It's a historical moment where lots of people from all different walks of life come together and uh, you should get somebody to document that with words, mm. to create a piece of history and create art out of that, yeah. to, to capture that, not just through, through photography and through film, but through the medium of poetry is a great way yeah. to really capture all of that and, and what it means, you know, metaphorically. You know? Yeah, yeah. So if anyone's listening that curates... Uh, Poetry at festivals. <laughs> listen up. You, any you festival programmers? Yeah, 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 listen up. You need a poet in residence every time. <laughs> Just do it. It'd be great. Last places like Glastonbury get uh, like you know, overwhelmed with the amount of applications that they get for their spoken yeah. word um, thing because they put out the the, the open call and um, um, you know I look at the the kind of the lineup and I wonder actually how many people of those people that are applying <clears> are actually even getting on to, to the bill because I imagine that they already know people that they already know who they want to put on mm -hmm. um, and will book them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would like to see easier ways of getting on to, to festival lineups and things like that mm -hmm. because I find very much at the moment it's not who you know, it's... Oh, no, sorry, it is who you know with, with festivals. It's, yeah. you know, you have to know the right people rather than whether your content is good or anything. It's about knowing the right people and being able to open those doors. Um, which I don't, I'm not too fond of that exclusivity mm. of that. I think it should mm. be a bit more, um, I think, uh, but you know, I, I'm not an expert in it, so I can't offer any solution to that, yeah, unfortunately. It's, but it's networking, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's networking, networking is, is, yeah. is, is, the, is the way of, of seemingly almost any human endeavour. Mm. You know, we always complain about old boy networks in business and politics, but they exist in actually every stratosphere, every, every strata of, of human life. Mm. Yeah. And unfortunately, too often they're old boys' networks as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, DIY. I mean, it's all about. This is a DIY art form, and this yeah. was a DIY zones. And you know, if if if, if it ain't working for you, you know, make your own space. And often that's the best way to do. Start your own night. Start your own mm. tent. You know, get a little tea thing together. Yeah. Go and, and make it work. Don't know. There's always a way, isn't there? Um, but yeah, it is. It is a bit like that. Yeah. We were talking last time on the podcast with Vanessa Kisule mm. about um, that kind of thing of um, taking your poetry into different spaces. Mm. Um, you know, so I was talking about how I tend to do more DIY punk shows mm -hmm. um, rather than the, the poetry nights because that's kind of where I feel that my audience is. Yeah. Um, is. Are there any spaces that you feel like the same outside of poetry world? Is there anywhere that you particularly like to go into and 
do your thing. Mm. I mean, my, my street music is, is what I like about being a street musician. I, I do live looping, so beatboxing mm. and guitar and multi-vocals, especially seasonally over the, over the summer, um, is that you're putting, you're, you're repurposing urban space and mm. you're turning it into uh, a space and a moment of empathy and, um, and, and criticality, you know, depending on what you're singing about as well. Yeah. Um, and you can have a, a millionaire and, and a, uh, a millionaire and a, a, and a homeless person dancing and singing together on the same pavement. That's really beautiful. But, uh, out, I mean, outside, you can do. I have seen people doing busking with spoken word on subways as well. It's possible to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of my spoken word, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like it's an ongoing kind of dialectical conversation. Like, how much do you stay within your tribe and how much do you reach out? I think you, you kind of need to do both. Although, um, you know, it's preaching to your own choir, mm. that, that, that gets a bad rep. But as my friend David Lee Morgan was, made a good point, you know, do the choir not need to be sung to? Do they not make beautiful music? You know? mm. There is yeah. a lot to be said for um, asceticizing your... your uh, aesthetic, creating an aesthetic moment for your tribe mm. uh, and, and uh, being a voice within that and, and, and articulating the issues that they need to hear. Yeah. Uh, to, because... Um, for your tribe or your community or whatever you want to call it, you they do need those moments of uh, artistic um, uh, community to 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 exist, mm. and uh, spoken word uh, and cabaret and things like that can really provide that and are really important. So I mean I'm, I've been very lucky enough to be part of activist communities over over the years, and um, it's been really nice often poetry is is not on the menu and then when you put it on the menu it's really just what's needed yeah 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 poetry has a great um capacity to um to just capture the the feeling that needs to be felt in the in the room at, at that time and if you can if you can get to that thing then it's um uh then it's really important i think yeah yeah, yeah i definitely agree i um I so this all day gig thing I was talking about mm. the other day. Um, my friend's band Petrol Girls or a hardcore feminist punk band. Petrol Girls. Petrol Girls. Oh, yeah. uh, after the Polish uh, feminist movement, um, okay. uh, and they were like the the band before the headliner of this thing. And it's you know our, our DIY community of punk friends and and all of our friends' bands and everything. And it was a really good day. Um, and Ren, the, the front woman of Petrol Girls, asked me to do my poem, Let Loose Lucy, in the middle of their set. Mm. Um, and that poem is all about um, women having to negotiate space in the punk scene, um, mosh pits, gigs, being on stage, that mm. kind of thing. There's not enough, you know, women, people of colour, trans, non-binary people in those yeah. spaces. Yeah. Um, again, like we were saying earlier about preaching equality, not practising it. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, that poem's about kind of my experience of growing up in the punk scene as a woman. Mm. And... Um, so in the middle of this of this hardcore feminist set, this packed room full of people, it's the most people I've ever done that poem to before. Every mm. single person was completely silent, and for three minutes while I did this while I did this poem, and it was just I can't describe the uh, air. It was uh, amazing. It was uh -huh. really like tension. Everyone holding their breath until the last moment, and then the poem was done. And and um, mm. it was a great feeling. It was yeah. it was really good, and that was probably the best performance of that poem that I've ever done and really appreciative to have been given that space in 12 hours of punk bands mm. to have three minutes of spoken word and uh, it was it was amazing it was really really cool and and to know that that works as well it's mm. really exciting I had yeah. a similar experience I was touring with Slamboree and we'd go around festivals and um uh, uh and Slamboree, were, were, when they were touring, it's a bit kind of, I don't know if you've ever seen them before, the big yeah. smorgasbord, like you've got circus, you've got yeah, brass section. Phenomenal bands. Phenomenal, yeah. you've got like pyro, kind of like pyro, kind of acrobatics and, and fire happening on stage. Yeah. And then, uh, and they, and then for, for a summer, I was touring with them and they, they'd all collapse during their set, they'd all collapse on the floor. Mm. I'd come on and do three minutes of spoken word. Yeah. And then stage dive into the audience. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that audience might be three or four thousand people big. Yeah. And it's like, this can work. Okay, spoken word yeah. can work in this setting. Mm. One minute you're dancing to dubstep electro swing. The next minute you're listening <laughs> to a poem. Yeah. 
and um, that's it. so it is, in, it is interesting and I think there's something you know you're moving between different registers of the nervous system one yeah. when it you're, you know it's a physical thing it's a visual thing you're looking at the fire and you're, you're dancing to the to the base and then mm. and then and then if you can yeah three minutes is a good length you mm. get five minutes it's, 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 it's long, you're yeah. just kind of stretching it and yeah. the right poem as well yeah you wanna, it has and to I'm be, sure yeah. this is you, you pick the right poem for the right <laughs> moment by the sounds yeah. of things um, you could, could take people to a different register of the brain and then back into the body and it's actually quite an interesting um, experience for the audience to have like that yeah I think it was a uh, those kind of powerful moments and oh, uh-huh. needed it's it's uh, I really appreciate it. it's like when I go to a spoken word night and there's you know it's just like <clears> a an open mic night and then it's like lots of regulars doing the thing and then one person stands up who's never really not, not big on the scene as who's very new and they do yeah. something that just it can be subtle but it's you go home with it still on your chest and you go home with it still resonating in your head for like days afterwards you're still thinking about it and I mm. I, I love those little moments with yeah. the spoken word that they can do that I think it's really good and like you said like you know resonating with with your with your tribe yeah yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's really good yeah. um do you want to do a poem for us yeah, well, yeah I've got we were talking about the festivals this one mm. um was it's called welcome party and I was written at Glaston, Par- uh, Glaston Party. <laughs> Glaston Party. Uh, and there we go. Um, <laughs> welcome to a symphony of the unnecessary, a glorious cacophony of bowel-throbbing bass lines and bleeding sound frequencies, a city of flag and youthful virility. Welcome to a mecca for pilgrims of music and mischief, a sludge-fest wasteland of abandoned bits of millets, a carnival of abandoned logic. Welcome to a Petri Dish community, a conspiracy against the tyranny of lonely, dull and normal. Go on a journey to Shangri-La on a camel chain gang of bulgy-eyed gurners, staggering through an epidemic of insomnia, shepton malleted mud-clad munters, rising like orcs from the womb of Mordor. (laughs) Welcome to a walled city of carnal Havoc, a technicolour summer vomit, a mass desecration of cultural convention. Glastonbury. Awesome. We've uh, woken the cat from, from a nap. Oh, sorry, Marmalade, sorry. She's looking really annoyed. Because uh, um, I was going to go on and talk about your um, degree in, uh, in, what was it, perform- was it? In Masters, uh, the MA Writer Teacher Programme at mm. Goldsmiths University. Which is uh, which is still going, and uh, it's very yeah. Am I right in thinking it was the first year that you guys? Because there's four. Of, was it four of you that were six of us? Yeah, yeah. Me and uh, Kat Brogan and Keith Jarrett and Indigo Williams and uh, Dean Atta and, and Raymond Antrobus. Yeah, and that's performance. It's it? about yes, but it's, it's part pedagogy. It's a writer teacher program, so it was mm. part uh, part pedagogy. So you did like several of the modules that people do to become teachers yeah bgce and part creative writing okay and it's teaching you how to be a poet teacher mm. uh, and it was very interesting to go into because like most poets i'd spent uh, many years kind of doing it on an ad hoc basis with various different clients yeah um and picking up stuff off different poets and learning on the job yeah which is great and it's a huge amount of innovation happening in that field actually that's the most exciting arena I think of of, of, of of poetry education, the spoken word artists, just going into, just like going, you know what, I'm doing something exciting, I'm going to take this into schools and youth clubs, because the, the poetry establishment, the traditional poetry establishment, as it's, you know, perhaps unfairly stereotyped to exist in, in publishing houses and academies and, and, and libraries, mm. isn't reaching people. Yeah. So those poets who are just going in, and, you know, I, I learned a huge amount of people like um, Spoz in, in, in Berlin and... Um, and Dreadlock Alien, who now lives here in, in Bristol, and Steve Larkin, who I was working with when I used to live in Oxford. Yeah. Um, great entrepreneurs in this field, as are many others, too many to, to list, and uh, Joelle Taylor being another notable example. But um, what was interesting was that for the first time, there was a master's programme where you could have education experts yeah. coming in and talking 
and you have the opportunity to theorize and go and research and look at the and to be able to produce papers and get them published we're all publishing pa papers in journals and magazines about you know what we are finding from the yeah. work that we're doing in schools yeah. uh, and and say pointing to the evidence uh, from various different departments around the world to show that creative writing had x y and z effects and then being so it was part it was kind of practical so we were also based in schools so the yeah. the aim of the of the program was to get us in schools as full-time placement or part-time placement poet teachers mm. and um, and then putting that to practice and it's been a really interesting journey for all of us and, and there's still more people who are, are, are going into that and there's probably around about four or five poet teachers in London at the moment still doing that. Yeah. Do you think that's um, a kind of testament to how far um, kind of spoken word has come that now there's uh, a master's degree that you can do that's specifically for spoken word education? Is that... Because, yeah. you know, yeah. it's not, I mean, you know, Bath Spa also do like a, a kind of similar performance. They do, a very good program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with Lucy like, English. Lucy English. And, um, yeah, but, you know, when I was at university only a few years ago, mm. that wasn't really offered to me. Like, creative writing mm. is the cl was the closest thing that, you know, you could get to kind of anything like that. And it had a poetry module in it, but it wasn't necessarily performance-based. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that having these opportunities to do stuff now is a real testament to actually how effective spoken word really is um, mm. as another narrative, another art form, another way of, of mm. navigating through, uh, you know, we're trying to explain what you know, what's going on. And obviously yeah. mm. being able to go into schools and, and do that with kids is, is probably amazing. I, I never had that when I was at school. Yeah, and we were that. getting kids to do like inter-school slams and we were getting them to visit like festivals like in the South Bank Centre oh, okay. and like go into uh, um, go into Goldsmith University for events there and yeah. perform there. And wow. for us poets it was kind of quite normal to be involved in that but imagine yeah. if you're fr from a working class family in Walthamstow or Newham. Mm or somewhere else in East London or wherever else. Yeah. Like going and doing a gig in a university. You know, maybe your parents and your grandparents and nobody in your family has ever been stepped inside a university. Mm. So for these kids to be doing these gigs, and in Parliament, we did a gig in Parliament, and have inter-school slams where they're coming together and competing against each other, realising that they were part of this movement, mm. as well as this artistic community in their school. Yeah. I mean, this is really vital. And I, and I have a TED talk about this, why every school should have a spoken word educator. Yeah. And, it, and imagine the conversation, the cultural conversation we would be having if there were these spoken word communities in, in every school yeah um because these kids are telling the story they they are speaking history as they're living it they are the next generation and their voice is vitally important and i think now because of uh, you know the rise of fascism mm. in europe and north america um now more than ever we need to be equipping young people with the ability to give account to give testimony, yeah. to speak truth to power, to think critically, to be in communities where people are sharing uh, their story and their, their view of the world together yeah. um, uh, in safe spaces where they can um, stand up to scrutiny and to be celebrated yeah. um, uh, as well. So, yeah, interesting. Um, there isn't the funding for it, which is really problematic at just the right time when we now know that this works and it's, it, and it, and it's taking off. Yeah. Uh, we're in a, a funding landscape where... There just isn't much funding for this, so we need to be really creative and we need to work together and advocate and find ways to make this work for kids because it changes their lives. Yeah. You know, you see, you know, like when they do showcases and they perform stuff about their lives in, in front of audiences of 200 adults, you know, students, teachers, parents. Yeah. And, uh, and then you see them walk a different way down the corridor the following Monday, you know, like they've got this skill, you know, they, they've yeah. got this kind of Jedi kind of like shaman skill, <laughs> they're speakers, you know, they can cast spell over people with words. Yeah, this yeah. does something to their esteem, it can turn their lives around, That's which is really important because when you're 14, what stays with you, what, what happens to you when you're 14 stays with you for the rest of your life. Mm. So uh, that's a, a crucial moment to be intervening in people's lives and giving them the tools to make sense of it through words mm. to see their words written down to be able to you know be validated you know by performing them yeah so did you do uh was it just one placement that you did in a school or was it i did two i did, did the, fir the first one was in in a secondary school in Walthamstow. 
and um, that the sub that book was is largely the subject of my book numbered boxes. A lot of that was written during that year, mm. and then I did the same job on a part time basis in a primary school in Newham, mm. uh, which was fabulous. And the kids just like wow, little geniuses, Rumi's and Shakespeare's every every one of them. Yeah. You know, I think every every child is a god and a goddess, mm. and they're born with you know fountains of poetical genius. It really, the stuff they come out with is yeah. Like, wow. there, there seems to be no limit. I, I remember, I remember the age that I started to get cynical. Mm. I remember desperately trying to cling on to my dreams uh. and be live in my dreams and be like, no, I want to. This is you know, but I could feel myself getting older and cynicism mm-hmm. kind of getting getting the better of me and it stopped me daydreaming so much and stopped my imagination flowing uh, so much yeah. um but when i was a kid i used to love creative writing and i used to write short stories all of the time and and then when i went i i worked mm. in um a school with um johnny fluffy punk um in southampton and mm. and it was you just kind of got you know full off of these children's imaginations and the fact that they just don't even put a limit on themselves they're like no this this table is a giraffe Uh. and like and it was it was amazing and like working with someone like johnny who's just so just so able to to mold people's minds and really like Mm -hmm. you know take them on a ride with them with their imagination just like hone it in i just i thought it was it was really great so i can really see the the addictive power of, of working with young people and, and, and getting that that dreaming state back I think that, yeah. that's really really nice I think I think freedom to daydream should be on the universal declaration of human rights yeah yeah there's a psychic uh, a regime that tells people that there, that there is no time to daydream and kids don't understand this you know I mean for poets you know we understand that that's where, where that's where poems come from mm. they did come across who was it I think it might have been Pine Corbett wrote a poem about daydreaming. It's like I'm not daydreaming. I'm not daydreaming, Miss. I'm I'm a poet. I'm practicing. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah. Uh, and these, some of these kids is like they they need to. They deserve. They should. They're children. Let them fucking daydream. Excuse yeah. my language. Um, no, I agree. I think kids grow up too fast. Yeah. And uh, that's sad. The psychic imperialism of capitalism <laughs> wants to take you away from your daydreams. Don't let them do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I've just moved onto a boat and uh, I've limited electricity and, and uh, internet. And I'm finding it's great mm. for my head and for my ability to be mindful and to write poetry and to mm. be present. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, yeah, internet's convenience. I mean, social media is convenience food for the brain. Mm. And uh, when we can't, don't, can't be bothered to do anything else or we're just bored or, we, you know, we just start going through social media and I think it's it's taking away a lot of our vital energies that could be ploughed into the, the, the important and urgent task of writing poetry. Yeah, indeed. Do you have any, because um, I know some people like Selena Godden will wake up at 5am every day and, and write. Um, do you ever have... Selena Godden doing that? Wow. Well, that's what I I've heard. No She's good, well that's done. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Well. I thought she had too much fun at night to be doing that, but well, that's good. Uh, well, you know, I think, <laughs> I think Selena Godden is secretly Wonder Woman. <laughs> And that's uh, how she has all the time in the day to do all of these things. I'd say so. Yeah. But um, do you have any writing practices like that that you, you tend to stick to? <clears throat> yeah, at the moment I'm trying to make two hours a day. Yeah. And, uh, apart from weekends, when I'm generally do, having a bit of a break. But, um, yeah, but, uh, it took me many years to, to feel justified in, in, a, in, in allowing that time mm. it's always that voice at the back of your head you know we were talking earlier about protestant work ethic this psychic regime hundreds of years of social conditioning to make yeah. us feel that we should be um uh, you know, that this is not a valid activity when actually it's 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 crucially valid we need more and more people to be um, using poetry not only for for the cultivation of community which is essential to the resilience that that we need as we go forward as a society but also um the, you know to produce poetry is to produce something which is um, of intrinsic value that is beyond, you know, the the, the market and anything that, that that can weigh. Um, so yeah, I think two hours a day. When that happens, it kind of fluctuates. But yeah, I do try to be quite quite regimented with it. Mm. You know, I'm, I do my, my rehearsals for my for my street music and I do my writing and my and, my, and I include reading in that. You know. Yeah. Because um, you have to breathe in as well as breathe out. 
And my practice is that I am reading and I'm collecting vocabulary and memorising and, and, and uh, getting definitions for new vocabulary because they are the bread and butter of what I'm working with, of course. Yeah. And reading poetry and, and reading about poets and I keep notebooks and I, and I note down and reference everything that I learn and listen to talks online and it's all part of, of, uh, of the research of being a poet for me. Yeah, that's great. Is there anything you're reading at the moment that's particularly good? Um, yeah, I'm reading an anthology uh, that I found for one pound, uh, a Kindle <laughs> book. Uh, the best poets, the globe's best poets or something like that. I think it's called, um, yeah, about 400 years worth of poetry that I'm oh, okay. sort of ploughing through and dipping in and out of. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Just finished reading some Penny Goring. So particularly, so I'm big into poets who are using language in a visceral and, and uh, uh, brutally uh, 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 pornographic way. Uh, and uh, and I think that's one thing that spoken word does very well. Is it, you know its diction and it, and its attack is mm. is, uh, is it, it, you know moves away from this kind of super subtle you know hyper distilled mm. uh, 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 poetry, which is all about illusion. You know the, yeah. the kind of like um, the um, the crossword model, if you like, of poetry. Yeah. Uh, um, and Penny Goring is a poet whose whose language is just like really, yeah, um, really quite exciting. So I'm enjoying what she's doing. Great. But all the all the all the time, new stuff. We're trying to find new poets and and read and read and read and read as much as possible other yeah. poets. And uh, um, and I think that's something which is changing within the, the culture of spoken word is is a, a renewed culture of, of reading. And I think that's quite exciting that more poets are, are actually. You know, reading other poems. Reading I think poems. that's really important, and I think the fact that the this this fight of page to stage, or you know, which one is more relevant, mm. is slowly disappearing. They're they're molding into each other, mm. which I think is really really important. Um, I'm someone who I don't write very often, but I read a lot of poetry, mm. and I right. really I write for the love of 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 creating rather than because I want to bash something out for a new slam yeah. or which I think is a bit soulless and yeah. that you know the, the slam culture a lot of the time I, I don't really like that much because I'm, I'm I'm kind of hearing something that someone's written because they want to please someone else they want yeah. points they're going for the points rather than because mm -hmm. they they feel very proud of something that they have created it's um, or you know someone writes something that's like a political piece but it's not really saying anything. It's it's like all of those male punk bands who you know sing about politics, but they're not really that impressed, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas yeah, so you know when we were mm. you were asking on Twitter the other day for your your, your recommendations from people, which is what I said, Melissa Lee Horton, because uh, yes. um, she's uh, she's uh, published by Pend in the Margins. I think this is her second collection, Sunshine, that I'm reading at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's oh, really, really good. Um, and, you know, people like Sally Jenkinson are, will always be my favourite performance poets because, oh. because their language is, is so thought out and it's, yeah. you know, it's not like half rhyme, end rhyme, half rhyme, end rhyme, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. It's, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have a structure sometimes and it's disjointed and it's memory and it's, feeling and it, I, mm. I think it's sensational and I really like that about mm. those kind of poets um so I try when I write to be a bit more like that I guess I don't apart from things like Let Loose Lucy which was kind of one that I was like I'm really angry about this I'm going to sit down and write this spoken word yeah. thing because everyone needs to hear it yeah. um whereas the things that I write now are a bit more considered and a bit more shorter mm. you know everyone Everyone wants to, you know, I see so many people at open mic nights with, you know, three pages of their poem or, or something, and you, I, I listen to it and I think you could edit that down so much and it would still say the same thing in so little words, and I think there's, yeah. Edit. Edit, edit, edit. There is craft in just being an editor. Who was it? Um, uh, it's a famous Liverpudlian poet, Mitchell, uh, oh, it'll come back to me. Most poets don't. Most poets, most people, the famous quote, most people ignore most poets, Adrian Mitchell, most people ignore most poets because most poets ignore most people. It's beautiful, it's beautiful quote. Mm. Most people ignore most poets because most poets ignore most people. And I've spent my entire life believing and really uh, advocating this, this, um, this quote because, you know, I, I strongly believe that 
spoken word was addressing a deficit in the connection between poetry and, and, and everyday people's lives. Mm. And while I still believe that to be true, I also think that it's true that most people ignore most poets because most poets ignore most poets. Mm. And uh, spoken word yeah. is, that is, is never going to be anything other than, than a, than a, a marginalised, underground, fringe art form, which, let's face it, it is, which is, <laughs> you know, which is why people pay musicians, but they don't pay poets still for some reason. Um while people are putting stuff on stages which they haven't edited, they haven't got any feedback on, and has not has not been fertilised mm. with reading other poems. Yeah, you know, like uh, I strongly believe that for every poem I write, I need to read at least twenty other poems mm. because yeah. there is so much out there, and um, yeah. sometimes what's being put and what's often being headlining on stage is, is stuff which is just has no attention to craft at all. Even mm. small things such as don't use cliches um, <laughs> or, or don't mix your metaphors. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. sometimes people are very charismatic. And to be honest, like, I, I was one of these people. Yeah, I'm saying this out of experience. Yeah. I, I won the UK National uh, 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 Hammer and Tongue Slam Championship with very well performed, very funny, very you know politically on it material that wasn't very well written. And, I, yeah. I, and if I was me now, then watching me, I'd probably be rolling my eyes mm. at the back of the uh, back of the audience. Yeah, uh, it's never too late to get into poetry. Uh, it is quite difficult to find your way in because. Uh, there isn't a culture of in this country of consuming poetry and of yeah. teaching it, but um, there are uh, there are lots of amazing poets which are very funny and very interesting and relevant, um, and Burning Eye uh, and um, Outspoken Press and lots of publishers and uh, are, are producing um, poets that are, you'd want to listen to and and you'd want to read. Yeah. And if anybody wants any ideas, I email me and I'll tell you some amazing books that I'm sure you'd really like to listen to. Yeah, that'd be great. So maybe after this, I will get Pete to write some of those down, and I'll put them in the. Yeah, uh, it's a good idea. Actually, the yeah. little uh, description box um, on our, our website. Um, so um, I don't know if you've got maybe one more poem to, to finish on. We're talking about education. This one I'm going to finish with the work of the kids that I was working with uh, at Kerwin Primary School, um, and uh, it's called Kerwin's Mega Poem, it's uh, from the book, and it goes like this. When I grow up, I don't want to be a killer. I want to be a painkiller. <laughs> I'll take a cloud and fly to Saturn. I'll rob a bank with a gang of lions. I'll be like Nelson Mandela and Pele in one body. You see, I don't want to be the goal scorer. I want to be the goal. When I grow up, all the girls will ask me to marry them. <laughs> you see, I'm amazing. I'm so cool that when I go outside it starts to snow. I'm so talented every singer went to jail. I'm so rich, my name is Rich Richie Richard. When I go outside the clouds hide and the sun gives me firepower. The red carpet rolls out underneath me. Flowers jump out of the soil shouting I'm free and ask for my autograph. My autograph is on the wall like a poster and if anybody tears it they pay one pound. I'm so hot, all the dragons retired. When I go outside and sing, the police faint. <laughs> and the bins dance with me. They think in cartoon images, these that's kids. Great. I'm a volcano that's going to erupt flowers. By the way, I should have mentioned, this is a composite poem. Each line from, from this poem is put together from different kids, okay. aged between 6 and 11 years old. Um, yeah, I'm a volcano that's going to erupt flowers. I'm so happy my head jumps around the grass because I am happiness. I am the bubbles in the Coca-Cola. I am the tick in the register. I am laughter spreading her wings. And I come from a town called Happy where everybody calls your name like God throwing down money. <laughs> Kids seven years old. In my head, there is a toilet laughing. <laughs> Chocolate cupcake is calling my name. Pies are screaming for me to eat them. And there's an apple tart that can sing. But what I hate about heads is the way they carry around bad things, like my bullies. In my head there is a potion that's gone wrong. I am a bag full of pain. You see, love, love's a twinkler. Love is stars singing soft songs. 
I love you, Mum. You are my song that keeps me awake from the little monsters. You are always there, even in the dark. You are my camel if I get tired. The shadow that never leaves my side. You are the zip that holds me together. You are the thing that makes my heart golden. I love you more than a rainforest wants to dribble down with tears. I love you more than an everything burger. When I grow up, I'll have so many happy memories, I will store them under a king-size bed. <sighs> you see, in my head there is a never-ending story and dreams waiting to come true because I was born with a rare disease called poetry. Oh, yeah. thanks, Steve. Uh, the kids at Kerwin Primary School in Newham. Nice. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant geniuses, everyone. Um, so when is your? When are you performing next, and where? So I don't even know. I lose count. Um, if you go on my website, uh, PeterTemp.co.uk, there's a list of gigs on there. Great. Cool. And uh, and also just. Uh, activist events and, and, and um, detention centres and pop up here here there and everywhere and all <laughs> around around and about that oh, too. Or here around. Yeah, if people want, do want to stay in touch, so you can subscribe to my email yeah. list on my website and you can find me on, on, on Face Twat and, 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 and Twitter on and all of that stuff. <laughs> all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming and having a chat with me today on yeah. the incredibly comfy sofa with the cat. It's very picturesque. Uh, don't forget that you can nominate and vote in the Sabotage Awards, Saboteur Awards, sorry. Um, Burning Eye won last year and it was really cool. We got this little plastic trophy from Poundland and it's still on my shelf upstairs. That's amazing. And I'm not giving it back. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, do, do go and vote because it's a great way to uh, celebrate and show your gratitude for other people in the business um, in the country. So don't do that. Um, you can also now pre-order Rebecca Tantoni's new collection, All the Journeys I Never Took, um, which will be available around the 1st of April. We're a small press, so we can afford to be that vague about things. Um, and don't forget that you can now buy um, Jeremy Toombs' new book, Who Knows, um, directly from our web store, which is uh, burningeye.bigcartel.com. Um, that's it from us. Thanks for listening. Toodaloo!